Morning, John. Good morning, everyone else. <laughs> okay. How are we? How was your week? Was it good? Okay. I'm in a, I'm in a mood at the moment. All right. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak life all the time and you speak encouragement and you speak growth and you always have good things for us because all good things come from God. And I declare a double portion right now of your grace on every single person here. I declare your truth and your revelation into every person because every person can hear the voice and the word of God. Lord, may we always be more interested in giving you glory that we may make ourselves vulnerable to receive as well. Thank you, Lord, for your revelation and your word and everything that you're going to give us today. Use me as a vessel, Lord God, an instrument. Use me for your glory and use everyone here for your glory, the body, the church, that we may go and do good things and proclaim your name in Jesus' name. And everyone said? <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, I was going to, I've been paying a bit of attention to Pastor Bill Vasilakis lately, so I was going to call this an expository on the nature of faith, and I was like, no, don't do that, <laughs> it's not real cool. Um, so today we're going to be touching a few different things, but all around the area of faith and how it is foundational to uh, everything we do, everything we uh, ought to believe, and if something is not founded in faith, then it's not really worth keeping because it's carnal. Are we in agreement? Okay, so can we all please turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 11, but we'll just read the, we'll start off with the first couple of verses, or, or I will just uh, change it on the screen and we'll read it from there, but follow along in your Bibles. Okay, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop just there. Um, it doesn't really sound that extraordinary for us to say what Peter just said to those who have obtained uh, a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We tend to hear things like that a lot. Um, but 1,500, 2,000 years ago, it was actually quite an extraordinary thing to say. You guys... Um, but... You know, many, many years ago, it was, it was an extraordinary thing for an apostle or the clergy to say to lay people, you've got just as much as I do. I don't have more than you. I'm not more special than you. You can do everything that I can do and more. Everything that I have received, you have received as well. And I think sometimes we get into this comparison game where we look at, you know, the we call them the giants in the faith or the people that are doing really amazing things and we think, I could never be like that or, or, or that's not me or I've got too many problems in the way. No, you've actually received everything that that person has received. Whoever you look at and go, wow, they're really awesome. You've received everything from God that they have received. Amen? Okay. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now these first two verses are uh, foundational to our faith. It's like discussing our, our stand, where we are, our position in Christ and how to move forward. But the next 
uh, several verses right down to 11 are more instructional. It, it, it details how this happens more. So everything that we focus on tends to be, in verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now we've been given everything by God, absolutely everything. But you don't know how to use something until you learn how to use something. And you don't know how to learn to use something until you get to know the teacher who gives you all these things. So we need to get to know Jesus. We need to get to know the Father and the Holy Spirit more every single day. Okay. Let's move on. Verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So his divine power and if you... I'm going to change it on the screen, but if you want to turn there or um, have a look at it, Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 19 to 20. I want to think about the word power for a second. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? So the power that is at work in you is everything that was concentrated when Jesus went to the cross and was nailed to it with all of the, the sin and shame and absorbed the wrath of God and then he died to sin and then he came alive again and purified us and made us alive with God. And that right there, you know, okay, so we get baptized as well, right? It's a, it's a declaration of our faith and it represents the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then it also plays out in our spirits. It's, it's, it's this thing that is foundational to our walk with God that the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ plays over and over again, in a sense, in our lives. And that's what the renewing of the mind looks like. It is the work of the cross at work. Like It is the work of the cross in us. That's the power of God. Okay. So I said we've already. Uh, okay. No, I haven't. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. So we've already been granted all things for life. And godliness. And if Graham was here, he'd say, not just life, but abundant life. We're not called to survival. We are called to abundant life. Everything God could have given us, he gave us already. Now, the reason I tend to ask for more, you know, when we pray and we say, God, please, uh, can you do this? Or God, please, can I have this? Or, or please, can you, can you do this in my life? Or, it, it's, it tends to be because we think we haven't received it already. We don't have a proper concept of the Son of God. And that when we receive the Son, we receive literally everything. Straight away. The kingdom of heaven is wrapped up in the Son. So when I receive the Son, I receive the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority.
So through the knowledge, through the knowledge, we get to know Christ, we get to know his promises. There's a lot of promises in the Bible that say who you are. I'm sure you could list a few in your head. But what are some of these promises that God has given us in Christ? Well, we're free from sin. That's a big one right there. Okay, We have a new nature. We are born again. The old nature has gone and the new has come. I have a new standing in Christ Jesus now. You know, we, part of the reason we be thankful for the body is not just because Jesus, um, Jesus went through a lot of pain. It's because Hebrews chapter 10 says that his body is the new curtain and it gives us access to God. Because Jesus took on a human body, we are now the same uh, family or, or, or we are made one with God. And so we have access into his presence. And because Jesus shed his blood for us, we've been purified of all sin so that we can stand in his presence and not die. How amazing is that? We're clean. We're made holy. When God said, be holy for I am holy. He said that in the Old Testament, but it's just as relevant today as it was back then. We are authoritative. We are powerful because we have God living inside us. And he knows us and we can know him and he wants to speak through us to other people and touch their lives. And so we become partakers of the divine nature through understanding these promises. So that's part of what we have faith in. We have faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. But we also have faith in his promises because God is not a liar. He keeps his word. Do you know in the Old Testament, so I, I learned this. Uh, so Joseph Prince does this study, right? Who listens to Joseph Prince? I don't, but I should. But Joseph Prince does this study and he says, in the Hebrew language, there's no reference for the future. There's only reference to the past or the present. So when you're looking at when God gave Abraham a promise of descendants, he said, Abraham, walk outside. So he walks outside and he goes, look at the stars. And so Abraham looks at the stars. And we read it as um, God saying, I will give you descendants like the stars. But he didn't say that. He said, I have given you descendants like the stars, if you can count them. Everything in the Old Testament was not, I will give you. It was, it's already yours. I've promised it. It's already yours. When did God promise it? From, the fa from before the foundation of creation. It just, it, that's the way it was always going to be. Like sometimes if we're really organized, we can see the end from the beginning, can't we? But God sees the beginning from the end. He's already there. He's already mapped the whole thing out and everything is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We've been given everything. Can I get an amen, church? God knows your life. He knows your spirit. He knows your soul. You are the answer to your own prayer. You have been given enough. You have been given fullness in Christ Jesus. You have been given the whole kingdom of heaven. That's something worth being excited about. I don't need to ask for more. I need to thank God for what I've already been given. Come on.
<laughs> okay. Okay, let's talk about faith for a second. And, uh, you know, what is faith? I think Pastor Steve went through this a couple of months ago. Can you guess the verse I'm about to go to to describe what faith is? Someone yell it out to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, I want to look at those two words there, assurance and conviction. Okay. So assurance, the word that was used is hypostasis. Everyone say hypostasis. <laughs> oh, what a funny word. Okay. And it has a couple of different meanings. Um, but used in this context, it is the steadfastness of mind and it is that which has foundation or that which has actual existence. We tend to look at faith like it's something that I have faith in what will happen or something that will take place or something that will materialize. But faith is, no, it's already materialized. It's already happened. It's already a done deal. We can already thank God for it. Even if it hasn't, can I say, physically manifested yet. Now I'm talking about external faith, but what I also want to talk, today, talk about today is internal faith. We can have faith in God that things around us will happen. God, I really need a miracle in my finances right now because I have a $1,000 overdue bill. I don't, but you know, like that's, sometimes we think like that. Or God, this person really needs a miracle and you want it materialized. That, that's, that's one kind of faith. And, and that is tied into the other kind of faith that I'm more so talking about, and that's what happens inside you. Because it's more important what happens inside you than anything else. God is more interested in changing your character than your circumstances. But he's also very interested in your circumstances. But let's aim for godliness before we aim for a comfortable life, yeah? Okay, come on. And the second word, conviction. Um, it's, it looks like elenkos, but it's pronounced like elenkos. Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, I'm no expert, but that's apparently the... Anyway. <laughs> that by which a thing is proven or tested. So it's... You know it is. You know it's done. No one's going to convince you otherwise. This is it. That, that's what faith is. So faith isn't, God, I believe you can do this. It's, I believe you've already done it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thankfulness is our, our position all the time. Okay. So, why do we claim the promises? It's not to have a million dollars. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with having things. God likes to give us good things. There are things in Scripture that says, you know, that God wants to give us things, but the emphasis, the real emphasis, is on the, the richness in here. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Come on. All right. So we claim the promises to... Oh, no, let's, let's just go back to that other verse for a second we claim the promises we become partakers of the divine nature because when you look at the promises and you know what they're about and you say okay thank you God for those promises then you know what the divine nature is about and you can partake in it and what does it do we escape from the corruption in the world because of sinful desire you're saying yes to God and no to no to the flesh you know Galatians uh, chapter 5 
is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. In verses 16 to 26 talks about, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are contrary to the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are contrary to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I'm not going to read the rest of it or tell you the rest of it, but that's the gist of it. We say yes to the Spirit. We say no to uh, sinful desire. The, the, the best way I've found to do that is to, is to not say, God, please make me a better person. That's garbage. That is a garbage prayer. No, it's not a garbage prayer. I'm not sure if there is such thing as a garbage prayer, but it's a wrong concept of faith. It is, thank you, Lord, that you made me without sin. Thank you, Lord. I say this I say this all the time. Thank you, Lord, that you made me a man of self-control and steadfastness and godliness. Even if I don't feel like it. Feelings. Ugh. Faith beats feelings. It's okay to feel things. But faith is better. It overcomes the world. Okay. All right, let's, let's keep going. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. What a wonderful passage. So each of these naturally lead to the next. So faith has a pattern. And if we're not following that pattern, then you know maybe it's time for a little bit of, of self-reflection. Say, God, what, what have I missed? What, what's going on here? Why am, I, why am I feeling this way? You know, there's, there's two different kinds of burdens. There's a godly burden, and then there's a burden burden that really sucks that you don't want anything to do with. We can do what appears to be godly things and still have a burden burden that sucks. So we see that faith is our foundation for all that we do. So what is faith? It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. It's a position of thankfulness all the time that I have already received everything and that I am able to do everything in the grace of God, being empowered by Him. So it is a constant thankfulness. And I'm not talking about be thankful for what you have because there are other people in the world that don't have it. Like, there's a truth in that. I, I don't disagree with it necessarily, but what if all your things suddenly get taken away? Do you suddenly not have a reason to be thankful? I'm thankful for the things in my life. I'm, I'm really thankful for the things in my life. I am a very, very, very blessed man. <laughs> I'm a very blessed man. But... My standard of thankfulness needs to be on something eternal, not something temporal. Because if my standard of thankfulness is upon all the temporal things around me that aren't everlasting, then my thankfulness has no reason to be everlasting. But my thankfulness can be everlasting if I'm thankful in an everlasting thing in my life. And that is Jesus Christ died for me and he set me free and he's given me literally everything himself that's all I need and if I'm thankful for that I'll be thankful for everything that's our standard 
we be thankful in God all the time and then we're always able to move forward in our faith. If we're not, if we don't have this, uh, this perspective of, see, we're, take it, what do you say? Yeah, thank you. So, does Tyso say thank you before I give him the Bible? Jamie, thank you for giving me that Bible. What? <laughs> you know, like, if you say thank you, it's because you know you've received something. It comes from right perspective. If you're not saying thank you, then you probably don't think you've received it yet. If Christ has given you everything, then you've got a reason to be thankful. Even if you haven't seen it manifest around you. We receive by faith, not by sight. It's happened in here. God's word is true. He's not a liar. Every promise in here is right and true and holy. I'm in a mood. Hallelujah. How good is God? Give God a round of applause. God has given us everything. Come on. Woo! I'm so excited. Okay. All right. So as I was saying, faith is the foundation, but it has to be outworked. Faith has to, in Heidi Baker's words, it's got to look like something. She says love has to look like something, but that's, it's also faith. Real love comes from real faith. Faith has to look like something. It's got to take substance in your life. It's not, it, faith comes from hearing the word, right? So, so you're reading the Bible and you go, well, God gives you something. He imparts something to you. Faith starts there, but you snuff it out if you do nothing about it. Faith always has to be responded to. How many teachers have we got in the room? Any teacher, I don't care. How many parents have we got in the room? How many people have ever taught someone anything? Come on. Do you just give someone a little bit of knowledge and then go, okay, they know all about it now and then leave them? Some of you may feel like you've been put in that situation. <laughs> but real learning is I tell you how something works and then you do it and then you know for yourself. Experience is a great teacher if you walk into it with right perspective. Otherwise, experience is terrible if you think the wrong thing about it. So faith is not just, not just hearing the word, it's doing what it says. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Okay. So faith, therefore, is not just belief in God, it's evidenced by change in your life. Let's go to Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for, it, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Some of your versions will say earnestly seek him. Earnestly wasn't a word that was given. It was just seek, but it was the emphasis that was on seek that caused some writers to say things like earnestly or desperately. So seek is exiteo. I didn't put like the little accents in because I don't know how to. I'm not very computer literate. For a millennial, I'm really bad with computers. To seek out for oneself, investigate, scrutinize, to crave something. It's not sitting on your couch 
and saying, God, can you please show yourself to me? Can you speak to me? Yeah, I guess I just don't know how to hear the word of God. Let's watch Married at First Sight. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) If we're going to... All of us in here have earnestly sought for something or desperately wanted to find something out. When you desperately want to find something out, you don't keep yourself comfortable, do you? You make yourself uncomfortable. You get up off your, I'm speaking figuratively here, whatever your couch is or your comfort zone, you get up off your couch and you go and find it. You go and investigate. You go and seek it out. And guess what? God rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's real faith. Now it's not because God hasn't already given it to you. But there's a lot of things about God that I don't know. And there's a lot of things about his promises that just haven't hit me yet. If I want them to materialize in my life or if I want them to take shape in my soul, then I'm going to seek God on the matter earnestly. Not just seek the good things he's got for you, but to seek him. He is where all the promises lie. So let's earnestly seek God in all that we do and be already thankful because he's already given us everything. Everything? Sorry, that's a video from scripture. Okay, so let's just, let's just go through the process for a second. I'm, I'm not going to show verses 5 to 7 again, so if you want to look at it, you can read through in your Bible. In fact, you... Well, hopefully you're already there. So just follow through in your Bible, but I'm, I'm going to um, go through the points. So, so faith is the foundation, and it always stays there. And we can never really move away from it in our walk with God. Otherwise, we're, we're just heading into works, and, and I'm serving God, but I'm not, I'm not walking in God. You know? Oh, what have I done? Did I do that? You guys are so good. See? Me and technology, okay. So virtue, add to your faith virtue. I have a little dictionary app on my phone. Uh, (laughs) I've spent like $18 upgrading it. I love my dictionary. Anyway, I looked up virtue and all it really said was moral excellence. Well done, $18 worth. But but moral excellence and it's it's outworking. It leads to outworking. So, So we're reading the word, right? You know, faith comes, we, we get faith from hearing the word. We discover the things of God when we read the word. If you're not reading your Bible, then generally speaking, God's really not going to talk to you. Sometimes when people say, God doesn't speak to me, well, do you read your Bible? No. Nah. Well, you got a job to do. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's read the word. Okay. Not right now. Well, we're reading. Anyway, I'm going to continue. I'm rambling. Okay, so virtue. 
moral excellence in our, and it's outworking. So we, we're reading the word and we become aware of something and we go, whoa, and it starts to take shape in us and we, we meditate on the word and we mull it over and, and sometimes we wrestle over it with God and, and, and we begin to get a concept of it. But then that commands response and we, we, we start to do something about it. So... You know, then we then we start to live it out in our life. We respond to it. We, we we then learn it by experience, not just by knowledge, and that's when it really becomes a part of us. Okay? Naturally that leads to knowledge of Christ and his way. So when we do something, that's when it really hits home, not just in, oh, this is the right way to do things, but God just reveals a piece of himself to you when you do that. Because you're proving that you trust in what he said. Until you do that, you're not like you can understand the concept of trust and you can even believe that you trust God, but unless you go and do what the word says, you don't trust him. Or at least not enough to do anything about it. Okay. Self control. Big one that we all need. Do you know <laughs> when I was at Condo, I was convicted majorly to delete my Instagram app. <laughs> I wish Emily Cotton were here. <laughs> and, like, I just spend so much time on Instagram, right? Looking at politics. Looking at politics. And I would waste hours looking at politics on Instagram. And I got convicted at condo camp a couple of weeks ago and I deleted the app right there. I said, Lord, no more. I look at it on the internet sometimes, but, I, if, if, yeah, but, but I'm not going to just, because if I've got the app, I'm just going to stay on it all the time. And Emily Cotton goes, why did you delete Instagram? And I said, because it was a fox in my vineyard. <laughs> she had exactly that reaction but it was longer and louder and I have video evidence. <laughs> if you want to talk to me about that later, I'll show you. Okay, but it was a major problem. Self-control is a response to faith. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no law. They are all responses of faith to reading the Word and the leading of the Spirit and the feeding of the Spirit in your life. Okay, we begin to live for God. We begin to go, whoa, I have some foxes in my vineyard. I've got some holes in my life. I've got some self-control issues. I need to start getting some of these little things and some of these big things in order. That's where that comes from. But guess what? That's when temptation comes in. No, don't give it up. That's when the devil tends to come in. No, don't give it up. Okay. Naturally, we go to steadfastness. You've got to dig your heels in. You've got to entrench yourself against both the devil. You've got to deny yourself and resist the devil. Not deny the devil and resist yourself. You deny yourself and resist the devil. Die to yourself. No, this is not who I am. This is who I am. What it says in the word, thank you, Jesus, that you made me like this. I am not giving in because of who you say I am, because of who you are in me. I am filled in him. Hallelujah. So we become steadfast. And when you become steadfast, I'm going to use this phrase. I don't know if it's quite the right phrase, it like is, 
but it's probably not the most articulate way of saying it. You prove your salt. It's like an old school term. I got it from Pirates of the Caribbean. But it's at that point where God goes, I know you mean business because you're really hanging in there for my glory and for your Christ-likeness. I see you hanging in there. What do you think God does at that stage? Hallelujah. Let's, uh, I don't have it up there. Let's go to James uh, chapter 1 verse, I, I think, 4 for a second. Where is it? Yeah, James 1 verse 4. <clears throat> and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Wow! This is James the Just, Jesus' brother, the head of the church, saying, let steadfastness take its full effect. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't hope for your circumstances to change. Rather, pray that you change. Thank you, God, that I am a new creation and that you've made me like this. Hallelujah. Let it take its full effect. When you stand firm in Christ, His grace works powerfully in you. When you thank God for the good things, they take uh, substance in your life. Thankfulness unlocks the kingdom of God. Perfect and complete. Let that wreck you over the next week. Nobody's perfect. Okay. Okay. So it leads to, we see, godliness. Peter and James are saying the same thing. They're just saying it in a slightly different way. James is saying perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Peter's just saying godliness. You're godly. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, what Jesus is uh, delivering the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <coughs> When you stand firm for Christ, when you, when you hang in there in self-control and, and, it's, and you be thankful for God's promises and you know His Word and you declare it over your life because you know it's real, it's already reality. It's not something you're waiting for, it's reality now. That's when God really shows Himself to you and you can't help but be changed in your, in your soul by Him or your, or your mind, you know, in your, in your character the way you express yourself, the way you think, it just changes because it's already reality in your spirit and, 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 and God reveals it to you by the spirit. It's a spiritually discerned truth. <clears throat> okay. Six, brotherly affection. Our treatment of one another in the body of Christ reveals a mature and attractive body to the unsaved. John thirteen thirty five says... The world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We were talking about this a little bit on Friday night at youth group. We are going through Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, the birth of the church and what the church looked like. It looks like the perfect community. Everyone loves each other. Everyone has everything in common. doesn't mean you all go fishing together, although that would be ideal. 
you can still have a lot in common with something, someone that you have nothing in common with. Jesus is the unifying factor. And we, when you're growing in, in, in this affection of family, hey, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, you just, you just start to have things in common. I don't know how God does it. He just, he just does it. Jesus is the unifying factor. He is love. And the last one, you know, we sort of saw that coming. Love. Love is infectious. It's contagious. And, you know, biblical maturity is not about just knowing what's in the Bible. It's about being, it's about knowing the word, but it, it, it's about being changed by God. And it's about loving because Matthew chapter 22 verses 36 to 40 says, you know, love God and love one another. Love God with everything you are. And the second law is like it. Love other people as you love yourself. So you become consumed with this knowledge of God that naturally expresses itself with love for people. And a person that knows God intimately and who loves people deeply as a response is a person that moves in such power and such authority and God can use that person to touch anybody's life and change them forever. Love. And love makes a mature, unified body as well. You can read about that in Ephesians chapter 4, specifically verses 13 to 16. Love brings unity in the body. Biblical love. Because there are all kinds of wacky notions of love. Okay. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, everything we just spoke about in the first... Well, verses 3 to verses 7. For if, you, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So think of those two words, ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've spoken about them before. Sometimes I feel like we go through dry humps or, or, or something like that or dry periods in our, in our faith or something like that. But sometimes... No, let's just keep reading. <laughs> For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That's big words. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, someone that's forgotten that they were cleansed from their former sins is someone that focuses on their problems a lot. But no, be thankful. You have been cleansed of all your sin. You're free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Okay. You won't know Christ on a deeper level or move in any more power or authority unless you will respond with your actions what God is teaching you right now. If you don't, you will still you will sit still in your faith and slowly stagnate. 
And sometimes we've been stagnating so long that we don't recognize the condition that we're in. But see, faith is alive every single day. Faith is fresh every single day. Jesus is our daily bread. He's fresh every single day. He's got something new for us every single day. If you ever want to tell me... See, Christianity should be exciting every day. Walking with Jesus should be exciting and vibrant every single day. And if it's not, I don't care. Like, I don't care if, if, if you know, you're like a retiree or something and, and you've been a Christian since you were seven and you're like, Jamie, Christianity is just not like that. You know? <laughs> what? It's, does life, is life ever supposed to get dull with God? No. If, if I ever start thinking that things are getting dull with God or life is getting too hard, then maybe I've allowed my circumstances to overtake the truth of God in me. Does that make sense? The truth of God in you is so powerful. It's alive. When the truth of God is alive in you, it's like a fire and you just can't shut up about it. You're almost like one of those annoying people, except you're bringing life instead of garbage. I love that word. And so, again, I say thankfulness is our position. Thankfulness in all things, especially when everything is going wrong and we don't feel like we have a reason to be thankful. We be thankful that Jesus paid it all and gave it all. And I am free. I have been given the fullness of the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. When everything's going wrong and you just change your perspective like that, oh my goodness, <laughs> watch how life changes in you. <clears throat> so it's not about lip service. It's not just, oh, thank you God for suffering and trials because I know that they're shaping me. <laughs> Sufferings don't shape you. God does, but God uses sufferings to shape you. Because sufferings help us to let go of ourselves because we're extraordinarily stubborn. Hallelujah. Okay, can I share with you, um, in, in sort of finishing off, can I, can I share with you my journey over the last year just with a couple of things? Um, a few years ago, I'm just going to mention this bit and then I'll start with... I don't know, 12 months ago or something. A few years ago, uh, I, was, I, was, I was reading my Bible. I was in that room, like actually where my office is now, but my office didn't used to be there. I was, I was sitting in that room and I was, I was reading the Word and God said, Jamie, I don't want to just heal you so you can share a nice testimony and give me some glory. I want you to know why I'm healing you. Like that was, yeah. That's sort of a little bit next level. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. I didn't do anything about it for like ages, months and months and months. And, uh, and then, I don't know if you remember last year I broke my wrist. In three places. <laughs> Doing the stupidest thing on a skateboard. Just going up and down a ramp. It was really embarrassing. And uh, so I broke my wrist in three places. And I thought, I'm supposed to be going snowboarding in a month. I'm not having this. Okay, Lord, let's, let's think about that healing, yeah? <laughs> let's, I need to 
I need to figure something out. And I've done wrong things with my faith. I remember when God first gave me that word, I used to think, oh, well, God maybe doesn't want to heal me yet because I need to realize some things first. That's a total lie. The time is always now for healing because Jesus already gave us all healing. 1 Peter 2.24 By his stripes you have been healed. Have. Past tense. Claim it. Right now. Claim it. If you haven't claimed that before, claim it. It's yours. And keep speaking it over yourself and thanking God for it. It'll materialize in your life. So I, sometimes I do wrong things with the word of God or I, you know, I don't... I don't think about it long enough or I don't meditate on it long enough. Anyway, I, I broke my wrist and, and I was like, okay, I need to learn more about healing right now. Anyway, one of the bones got healed and the x-rays confirmed it and the doctor was like, he's looking at the ones from the week before and he's looking at this one and he's like, Jamie, I don't know what's happened. <laughs> I said, I do. And, uh, but the other two didn't. Th- they, they wouldn't heal. And every single morning I was getting up and I was, I was reading the word and I was praying, but th- there was always this consistent theme of, I am your healer. I have done this. And I was like, I'm, I'm learning and learning and learning and learning, but there's just, I feel like something powerful is coming. Because sometimes that happens when you, when, when you pursue a truth for long enough. Sometimes, you know how God just makes the penny drop and you just go, whoa. You know, I was expecting that. It never actually it never actually came. I mean, I was getting awesome awesome words from God every single day, but I was waiting for that big penny to drop. You know, that big revelation in the spirit, like like you get sometimes and then you start weeping, you're like, Oh, you're so good, Lord. You know, I was expecting that. I never got it. Even though I, I searched for, for months after that, long long after this sort of patched itself up. But see, my wrist never fully healed. From that time onwards, I, I couldn't do push ups. It was just it hurt too much. And, um, and, and I even went to the elders and, and, and they prayed for me and I talked to them about things that had been going on in my life and, and throughout the whole journey of healing God healed me of a lot of things in here like, like on eight or nine occasions God just set me free of, of things that were, that were in my mind it was already a truth in my spirit I already had it but it materialized you know does that make sense Okay, so I got, I, got, I got set free of a bunch of things on the way that I didn't ex- expect to get free from. And I'll go into that another time, but <clears throat> something that confused me in the Bible was always, you know when the leper comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I'm willing. And he touched the leper. He put his hand on a leprous man and said, be clean. It always struck me like Jesus had the guts to put his hand on a leper. Like it just it just never computed. There was like error going across in my brain. And like I, I, I used to think it's one thing to pray for someone to get healed, it's another thing to touch someone with a highly contagious infectious, deathly disease. That's what I used to think. My faith was looking at it from the wrong angle. And then I realized Jesus touched him because he knows he's not going to get infected by it because healing is his by right. He is healed. He can't get sick. He can touch whatever the hell he wants and he won't get sick. 
He could walk right into a bowler and punch it in the face and nothing had happened to him. I thought, wow. That, that was an explosion in my brain. That was pretty cool. And then I started to think, see, here's when I start doing wrong things with words from God. I started to think, well, I don't want to pray for anybody anymore until I realize just how much it belongs to me. That was dumb. So I slowed down praying for people. I wouldn't really do it anymore. I started to think, I don't want to pray for someone until I realize just how much I'm healed and set free of everything. And I was fully expecting when that penny dropped and I got that revelation from the Spirit that God would suddenly just heal me of everything in my body. And I'd be like, all right, I'm ready to go. I can pray for people now. I'm qualified. (laughs) And like I love listening to Todd White, right? I listen to him on YouTube a lot. The guy's amazing, isn't he? And uh, I look at all these giants in the faith. I look at all these people that just understand God so well. And it's just, like it's fire in them, you know. And they, they go out and they, they, just, they just wreak havoc for the kingdom of God everywhere they go. I look at those guys and I think, how do they do it? And I don't. Like, not in a, oh, they're good and I'm not way. Not in a comparison way. But I'm like, how do they get it so right? They don't get it because they've listened to all the best speakers. They don't get it because they've necessarily had all the best teaching or the best preaching or the best this and the best that. The reason they're so good at it and the reason they know God so well and are consumed by the love of God is because here's what they do. They read this, but then they go and do it. And I spent so long trying to understand my faith before I would go and do it, but that's not faith. That's having faith in myself, not in God. That's just Jamie King trying to analyze everything like he often does before he has the guts to go and do something. No, you get the instruction from God. You go and do it. Understanding comes after experience, not before. When God tells us to do something, we do it. Then God reveals himself to us. Not the other way around. Not always the other way around. But we prove our salt, or we prove our faith when we respond in obedience to God. And that's when we know God better. That's when we become consumed by God more. That's when we become more effective in whatever we want to do. We pray for people. We preach the gospel. We teach. We serve. And we just know God more. So Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. Or some versions say he will obey my commands. And my Father will love him. And we will come to make our home with him. Come on. I don't need the best anything. I've already got everything I need right here. I'm the answer to my own prayer, really. Not to. I'm not awesome in myself. Jesus is awesome in me. He's given me Himself, which is more than I could ever hope or dream. He's equipped me with everything. I just need to understand it. I need to understand him more. So that's where this comes in. And I go and live it out 
even with simple things, sometimes we read the really simple things, like just when it says, be thankful or pray continually. You know, and we don't pay much attention to it. That stuff's foundational. Let's pay attention to that. Let's pay attention to the small stuff in the Bible and go, okay, I'm going to put legs on my faith and I'm going to do this right here. And you'll watch your life transform. And all those things that are holding you back, God begins to erode them. They, they dissipate in the, and he just, he just lifts them off you. Let's be obedient to God more so than just wanting the most inspirational or encouraging whatever. Our faith is between us and God, not anybody else. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we are completely set free in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for walking to that cross willingly, for taking on a body, human form, Lord God, making us one with you and making us clean and righteous with your blood. When you said it is finished, you meant it is finished. We don't need more from you at all. You gave us everything. May we have a right perspective of what you did at the cross and what you accomplished and that you're now at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us and that we have full assurance as sons to be in that throne room Every time we pray, Lord God, we stand before the Father because you are there. Thank you, Jesus, that we are filled in you. We rebuke doubt in this room in the name of Jesus. We rebuke hope that you will give us something that you haven't already given us. But may the reality of the Spirit materialize in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. Help us to to be obedient, to live out our faith, to put substance to it, to put legs to it, and to live for your glory and to be consumed by you. Thank you, Jesus.